Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. How does an organisation go about fixing cybersecurity if its technology is, in the words of its head of IT, a bit of a mess? According to John Stenton, when he took over as head of IT at Hertfordshire-based housing association, Thrive Homes, the first priority was to stabilise the organisation's technology base. Cybersecurity was quickly next on the agenda. Stenton needed to assure his board that the organisation was taking all due measures to protect its infrastructure, its investments and transactions from cyber attack. So he opted to bring in an external security consultancy, Digital X-Raid, to review Thrive's policies and processes, to identify threats and, if needed, improve their defences. Stenton kindly agreed to come onto the podcast and talk us through the security challenges facing Thrive. And we also asked Digital X-Raid's Head of Compliance and Information Security, Kerry Jones, to join him. Everybody I talk to, all my peers, whether they're in housing or out of it, are getting a lot more paranoid now. The biggest problem that I think they're facing, and I've been looking at this, I'm very, very particular, is that the security market and vendor list is growing dramatically. And not all of them are quite as good as some of the others. If you get get my drift. And you really need a really strong partner to help you guide your way through this maze if you haven't got a clue when you're starting. And not everyone in IT does understand cybersecurity as well as they ought to. But that is changing over time. What would you say the main security challenges are that you face if you look at it in the round? Oh, I think the biggest, the biggest issue that we have as in IT across the board is our users clicking on something they really shouldn't. And if they give away some credentials, that's it, you're on some word. And of of my peers, it must be at least 90% that are account takeovers. Of my peers who have been hacked, 90% of those are account takeovers from a user clicking on the wrong link and giving their credentials away. Now, sometimes that can be really, really passive, and someone will just sit there and copy every email from, I don't know, the FD until they find an opportunity to jump in there. But it also might be a lot more aggressive where they actually introduce ransomware. But I think it's it's use your education that's the biggest thing that I could recommend anybody does. I would say, you know, your users, your people in your business are your biggest threat. So they're usually your biggest asset because you need them to, you know, complete the job to get things done. But it is all around, you know, letting them understand why you've got certain things in place, you know, things like policies, procedures, awareness training, and why it's important to review those and understand them and put your hand up if you're unsure as to why they're there. Um, and have good procedures in place around if they are breached as well. So they understand there's consequences to things that are going wrong and things can't continue to, you know, as normal as, as business as usual, if you like. So I would say as much as your people are your biggest asset, I think they're, they're probably biggest threat and biggest risk in a business. So completely agree with what, what John said there. We'll come back to the point about user awareness and training in a moment. But John, um, what would you say... If if you could be be so kind as to give me an honest assessment, but where would you say your security infrastructure was when you came in, and and what type of 
mechanisms did you have in place to safeguard the business? And, and indeed, how, how mature would you say your information security was at Thrive Homes? When I first joined Thrive, it was um, non-existent. There was one day where we thought we were being hacked because the firewall had 100% processor utilization. And that's an awful situation to be in because you don't understand what, what on earth is going on. Um, since then, I've introduced an awful lot of technologies that I don't really want to go into details on for obvious reasons. But we've got a lot of um, technical tools to make sure that Thrive stays safe. But like I said, the main main thing is your users and education and talking to them. The biggest thing I found, and I know you said you wanted to go back to the users later, but the biggest thing I found with users is if you spend a few minutes one-on-one talking to them, they get it. And they feel it's important because you, you're a busy person. You're always on the phone, in meetings, doing other things, but you spent the time to talk to them about that. And it makes a big difference. And I've done that with people in teams who started spreading the, and evangelizing the anti-spam, look for this, check this, through their own teams, purely because I spent some time with them going through it. Um, I would say my uh, security stack at the moment is quite strong. Uh, I was quite confident before I engaged Digital X-Ray to come in and do a review. And I was exceptionally surprised with the recommendations that came out of it, which were more around process and procedures, which was documentation and things that I need to do as an IT leader to make sure things are done in the right way in the right order. And that was really good for me because I knew then I got the tooling right. How did you come to establish that you had a capability gap or that this was not something that you could do in-house? And then how did you go through the process of selecting a partner to help you? Once I thought my security was quite secure, I wanted a third-party opinion on that. So I currently outsource my SOC to a third party who do 24-7 monitoring, and that's great, and it works really well. I have a separate partner who does my pen testing and vulnerability testing to make sure that we we patch everything that we should be patching at the right time. What I wanted was not a full 27,001 audit, but something very, very close to tell me where my gaps were. Because I didn't want either of the other two partners marking their own homework, to be quite honest. And I'm not an expert. And I know that Kerry and Digital X-Ray as a whole are. And they did a fantastic job. They really did. Did you go through a market selection process or was it recommendation or how did you come across them? It was a market selection process and I did go through looking for certain criteria. Um, It was, I can't remember the accreditations I was looking for. Crest was definitely in there. And then there was a recommendation from my third party pen testers as well, which I think Kerry knows. And from the perspective of Digital X-Ray, how do you approach working with an organization such as Thrive Homes? So usually from an internal point of view, obviously they have account managers that deal with, you know, understanding um, the potential customers, 
requirements? So what is it they're actually looking for? Is it something we can fulfill? Do we need to tailor a service? All that kind of stuff. And then once we've determined exactly what they're after, um, we will then usually, um, you know, approach the um, subject matter expert, which in, in this case was myself. Um, and then we have a meeting, meeting with the client. So again, it's trying to let, you know, companies like Thrive understand what we are going to deliver. You know, John was very clear that it wasn't just 27,001 that he was after. Um, and it was something more, you know, in line with the NIST requirements. And, and that allows him to probably understand as well that his tech that he'd got in place was good enough because um, obviously ISO is looking at what controls you've got in, got in place, whereas this will allow you to understand if if the controls you've put in place with the tech is, is enough as well. Um, so it was having those conversations, understanding what was, you know, what he was wanting and what the output was that he was wanting and the reasons for it as well, for the engagement. So, you know, is it to get more um, funds for the IT department, um, understand if you know there's other things that they need to implement and go elsewhere for um so that's kind of the process that we we had and we had a meeting with john and obviously they decided to to go with us and then we set the process rolling around setting up the engagement and and obviously doing the, the project with them so it's you know ensuring we've got the right people lined up and letting the customer know who we need to speak to to cover off what and why as well letting them understand why and then when those people are brought in front of us as well it's letting them know why we're doing this why we've been engaged and again it's all about that awareness so you get the full um buy-in from everybody who you're interviewing and they're not thinking this is some kind of test it's allowing them to understand that this is a really you know important process that we're going through and they are they need to be open and honest because out, out from this they're going to be hopefully be given either the tools they need or improvements are going to be made in the business to allow them to, you know, have better working environments and make things leaner or, or you know, more aligned to a policy or whatever that would be. So how important is that initial, we could perhaps call it a discovery phase there, how important is it to have a discovery phase at the start of the engagement with the client? I think it's extremely important. It allows you to build the relationships up. And one thing that we kind of sell here at Digital X-Rate is the fact that, yeah, we're here to do a job and deliver the output, but also I want you to feel like we're part of your team and we're here to absolutely assist and deliver on what the requirements are, but also ensure that we're delivering it to the right audience as well. So, you know, understanding where John wanted to take that, you know, what, what, what kind of language we needed to use, all of that to ensure that that Thrive got the most out of that engagement. So it's really, really important to build those relationships um, and, and be able to take that project forward and deliver it successfully. Now you've described this as taking organisations from being in the dark on security measures to giving them a, a way to scale up their security operations. That may be overstating it slightly in the case of Thrive Homes because they were already done a lot of that work before you came on board. But if we broaden this out just for the moment, you know, how often do you come across businesses, organizations that actually have very little awareness of how good or bad their security is? Every day, <laughs> to be fair. So I'm approached by whether it's our sales team about a potential customer. Um, you know, and, and in and in my team, we have 
lots and lots of customers who we are delivering various services to, whether it's, you know, doing internal audits or aligning audits to 27,001 or they've got a managed service around 27,001. So we're nurturing them all the time in that and allowing them to understand the controls they need to have in place. It's near, near enough every day that we see customers who approach us for our expertise for us to understand how we can help them, how we can define their security processes and procedures, what enhancements they need. Um, it's not just about what services we can offer as well. Um, obviously, it's great if we can support them and provide them with our services. But obviously, in some cases, it could be that they need a piece of software or a platform and we're not that kind of um, you know, a cybersecurity house, if you like. So it's allowing them to understand what they've already got in place. There could be things that need to be switched on. So it's all around, yeah, allowing them to understand what where they are by potentially doing either a, you know an ISO gap or a cybersecurity maturity system assessment like Thrive and allowing them to understand where they are because at that moment in time they don't know what they've got where they are they're completely oblivious they're just doing the day-to-day job um, and getting through whereas we can highlight you know this is really good and this is potentially a threat or this is something you really need to consider to, you know to get out of those dark places and also we can be a bit of a voice for employees in 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 companies where we can say right you're you know um part of the IT team or whatever that is but here we can give you some language to go off the board and and help the business understand what is required um to get them where they need to be as well so to to be in a better place as and and you know be more productive and understand you know what security threats they've got at that time now you both mentioned controls the issue with controls it doesn't actually tell you whether those controls are being implemented or used correctly so there's phases i suppose aren't there that you can identify that there is a lack of controls or potentially lack of technology, but then you've got to put the controls in and then ensure that those controls are actually followed. So how do you go about that with an organization? How do you ensure that it's not just a question of a one-off paper exercise? Yes, we've decided we want to comply with this external standard. We've created those huge folders. They're now on a shelf. We have the standard. And then we go back to ignoring it all and clicking on those links, as John pointed out. Yeah, so for us, from an ISO 27001 point of view, we offer a varied level of service. And to be fair, when we speak to customers, and John will vouch for this, even though he wasn't approaching us for ISO 27001, when I delivered the report to John, obviously we'd done it against the NIST framework, but I also highlighted within the report where they were in line with the 27001 controls as well. So he could understand that where he was compliant and where he wasn't compliant. But from an ISO 27001 point of view, at Digital Extrade, we offer a service where we can continually manage that for you as a third party. So that means it isn't getting put in a drawer and forgotten about. That's our worst nightmare, to be fair. And this is where we can become part of your extension of your team. Um, so we can offer a service where we come in and do a gap analysis against you know, ISO 27001 and the controls. And then also from that, we can say, right, here is the actions that we can be responsible for, such as building your management system out, creating the policies, doing the awareness training, spending time with the people. 
um, you know, um, looking at your business continuity plans and your incident response plans and putting things in place to make sure they're hitting those controls. For example, um, you know, you've got an, a business continuity plan, but are we testing it? And then we can link in Annex 16 around, you know, incident response management. And are we testing, you know, what types of incidents we're getting in place as well? We can also support with the um, certification piece. So we would work with you, with the UCAS body that you have chosen at that time um, to assist with that audit. So again, we're giving you some assurances through that audit, you know, helping you to understand the terminology because every auditor is different. So you're not feeling completely out your depth and terrified about what's happening on those days. And then once you've achieved your certification, we can also offer a managed service, which would be ensuring you're always audit ready. And that's completing, you know, your internal audits, making sure that you're reviewing your risk register, your corrective actions. If you've had any incidents, you know, do you need any help with those and understand what they are? We'll also ensure you're doing your management review meetings. So all the mandatory stuff that you need to be compliant to, to retain your certification, we will ensure is happening. And we will also um, ensure that you are always ready for whether it's the external audit that will come up obviously every 12 months or even a customer audit because obviously some some customers also have, you know, suppliers or people who they engage with that want to do an audit to make sure you're doing what you say you're doing, I suppose, as part of their due diligence. So we can offer that, offer that type of service. One thing I do state when we're engaging with any customer for 27,001 or whether it's for a maturity assessment and they're taking on any additional piece of work from us, like creation of documentation and things like that, is that we don't want it to be a thing where we do all this hard work and you've invested all this money into this piece of work and it is just put in a drawer and dusted off as and when, you know, someone's asking for it. We want it to become absolutely baked into your business and become part of every day. So when we're committing to a change in the business, are we thinking about the risks, information security, the integrity of your data, all that, are we thinking about that? And then it just becomes part of the everyday. So it's all around us coming in, changing those little things that you're potentially doing, like change management and things like that, but adding these things in, are we thinking about what risk or who this impacts and what kind of data it's going to impact. So it's about just making those small changes in some cases and it becomes part of the everyday for those companies. So coming back then to Thrive Homes, John, what was your view of the work that was done? What did Digital X-Ray find? Um, did they discover what you expected them to discover or indeed were there other elements in there that maybe uh, were less expected? Well, I engaged it to Lexroad for two two different reasons. Firstly, to literally just check that I've got everything in the right place and doing the right thing. And the second reason was to give the board assurance that we were actually secure. And I got a really good response back. And I got, um, as Kerry said, she, she measured it against ISO 27001. And actually gave me an action plan of things I could do to, for, to attain 27,001, which was outstanding. The report that we got back was absolutely fantastic, and it gave the board a lot of reassurance that we were in a good place. Not that we wouldn't get hacked, mm -hmm. but that we were in a good place. But the one outstanding thing that really, really amazed me was the way that Kerry engaged the whole business. 
Kerry didn't just talk to me. She talked to HR. She talked to our comms team. She talked to a lot of people in the business and brought them along on the journey to go through this audit in a really nice, pleasant, open way to get the right answers from the right people so we actually knew where we stood. So, for example, on new starters and leavers, are we actually doing the right things, not just in IT, but in HR? And I was... I was really, really amazed. And we have made a lot of improvements since then, purely based on Kerry's recommendations. And thinking then about the people side, because you highlighted early on that that was important. And I think it almost always is in these pieces of work. Uh, Largely, it's either to do with implementing training or awareness, or as you've mentioned, presenting information in the board in a way that helps them to get a better understanding of where the organization is from a security point of view. That may not be, that may not necessarily be the case that say we have everything 100% right. In fact, they probably wouldn't believe any IT manager or CIO or CISO who said they had it 100% right anyway. Neither would I. No, exactly. But uh, there is that working from every level of the organization from new hires to junior staff right through to the board and ensuring that everybody is aware of what their security obligations are. How do you use the information or how did you use the information you were provided by Kerry's team at both those levels? I I think the actual work that Kerry did with the other teams was, was a... Oh, I'm trying to think of the word. It ignited a curiosity in the business as to what their an, an understanding of what they do impacts our security, our cybersecurity, and that gave me more of an audience. I'm I'm very much one that will communicate with people, and we do have social uh, social tools like Facebook and things like that that we can use. And I do use those a lot just to let people know what's going on in security. And most importantly, what they can do around helping us stay safe as a, as a business, but also around what changes are coming up. Because it's not just um, making them aware to not click on URLs. It's also about things that are going to change their work, the way they work. So if they want, uh, I'm trying to think of a of an example. A few years ago, I in- introduced a tool that scans emails on the way out of Thrive. I'm not scanning emails that come in, the ones that go out, just to make sure they don't contain personal information of customers, credit card details, anything like that. And that was communicated for about four weeks before we implemented it, while we were in the testing phase, so the users understood what was coming down the line. And I get so many less inquiries when things go wrong and so many less people saying, oh, I can't work, my productivity's gone down, it's stopping me sending this email, purely because we communicate. And I think that's one of the things that IT people are particularly bad at, it's just communicating with the people that they're affecting in a way that they can actually understand so that they can see the pros and cons and how it's going to affect them, both your change and if it all goes wrong and they do the wrong thing. So how did you implement Kerry's recommendations and what have been the results for you? 
to be quite honest, most of Kerry's recommendations were internal to the IT team. So they've been quite easy. It's around processes and procedures. And, and Kerry's mentioned some of the before change control and things like that. But I think before we finish, I'd like just like to say that any business that doesn't understand where they are in their security at the moment should do something themselves for free, which is just build a risk register. It's free to do, and you can add to it, you can change it, but until you start understanding what risks you've got, you cannot understand how you're going to mitigate against them and have any understanding of how secure you are. You've got nothing to measure against. And that'll give you the chance to improve and show metricize to your exec, to your board, your users, how you're improving things. Just from a free tool, which can be a spreadsheet, just building an IT risk register. So it's really doing that very basic discovery work in your own organization, looking at where you think you might be exposed. Absolutely. And I bet you 90% of IT cyber risk registers are the same. Lost laptop, lost mobile phone, account compromise. You can pick these up anywhere, but it's those nuances that you have in your business that you want to watch out for as well. Those little things. Like I was saying earlier, if we have a, a land purchase, I have a special risk around that. And I have people in accounting doing certain things to make sure we don't pay the wrong person for obvious reasons. Um, but I, I think that's a real basic thing that people can do for themselves costs nothing except a bit of time and thought. And it's not something you have to pick up and finish. It's going to mature for years. It becomes a working document, doesn't it? A working and living and breathing document. Never leave it alone. Always think about it. Just to conclude then, Kerry, you talk about organisations being in the dark. I suppose the biggest challenge for somebody in your position is the organisations that don't realise that they have a cybersecurity gap and bringing them into the fold. So how would you advise people in organizations listening to this? How would you advise people who may not be directly responsible for cybersecurity, but their role touches on it to engage with the process and start to ask what can be quite difficult and uncomfortable questions internally? Yeah. So again, probably elaborate on what John just said there around, you know, doing a, a risk register or their own internal, you know, gap analysis, if you like, of understanding what what they believe they think they've got. And again, you know, some people will 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 have different opinions on where they are. But again, it's allowing that person to also um, have the time with the relevant people, like they need to understand you know, who who is responsible, who is accountable for ensuring, you know, that that these measures are put in place to potentially mitigate risks, you know, lower your threats and, and all of all, all your vulnerabilities and all of that. So it's it's allowing that person to understand understand that um as well and, and where that where that can lead um for the business, but also letting them maybe, you know, have the understanding or um helping we can help them to have the understanding of what an impact of those potential risks that they may have identified could lead to because it's all right them saying right yeah we've not got a policy for asset management or something is that really big risk no i don't think it is but it, it could lead to bigger things you know people are not knowing that they've got to keep their assets in certain places especially in this day and age you know where 
you know, we've got more people who can work remotely, you know, they move around a lot. So it's it's not the same as it was, you know, pre-COVID. It's, it's allowing people to understand that if there's nothing in place, no document in place, which seems a really minor thing, um, that obviously it can lead to bigger breaches, that the password could be on a post-it inside the laptop and the bag's being stolen, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely you know, allowing them to have a voice and then take that to whether it's their manager and, and continue to push push for these things within the business, you know, try and be a bit noisy about it um, to get it to go to the right, the right place. But this is kind of where, you know, these gaps and maturity assessments do come in handy um, to allow them to have that leverage to take up to whether it's their manager, the board, or wherever it needs to be to get that driver and get the, whether it's money or just, you know, just simple changes and things like that, the availability of time, even if it's just that, to, to ensure that they, you know, they get what they need, they need in the, in the business. Kerry Jones from Digital X-Ray on how to approach organisations that don't realise they have a cybersecurity gap and especially how to engage with non-security professionals in an exercise that can mean asking some quite difficult questions. That, though, is all for this episode of Security Insights. In our next programme, we'll speak to the UK's former surveillance camera commissioner, Tony Porter, and we'll talk about the security and ethical questions that need to be addressed for AI-driven biometric technologies. That episode will be live in two weeks' time, and I hope you can join us then. Until then, you can, of course, catch up on past programmes on the website, securityinsights.co.uk, or subscribe and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>